We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good afternoon, welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Ray. Delighted to see you, joined by Supermac and Gibbo. Hi, lads. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi, John. Good to see you. And this week, as we know, we look back on last season. We'll get your highs and lows and uh, we get your uh, your take on the uh, the subject of Newcastle United. And uh, first off, um, I'll come to you first, John, on this one. What was your goal of the season? There's a good question. Since you mentioned it, I've gone through all 68 Premier League goals and watched them all again. And by, there were some bloody crackers. There was. There were some smashers. Um, You know the wonderful thing, thinking of all this, in previous seasons, Steve, I've struggled to find a winner. You know, Mm -hmm. to find one winner... I've struggled play of the season or something. Goodness gracious me, one we've been relegated. You know, you're struggling. There's been six, half a dozen for every category this season. It's been such a fabulous yeah. season. And that's great. And that's great. I looked through the goals and, I mean, there's obviously Wilson scored 18 in the Premier League. Um, Almiran got 11, where the previous season he got one. And the funny thing is, is I watched them, guys. Nearly everyone was the same, you know. Coming in off the wing and passing it with the outside of his football, with outside of his foot into the top corner, far corner of the net. Virtually every goal was a replica. There were some good ones in there, but there were replicas. So much looked the same. Um, And that's good. That's great. I'm not complaining about that. Uh, the one that stood out for me is one that perhaps didn't stand out for other people. But if you remember, when we went to Nottingham Forest, we won 2-1 with a penalty in the last minute scored by Isaac, which is a famous one where Trippier held the ball and didn't give it up and then give it up at the last minute, take the pressure off him and he stuck it in. But before that, his equaliser, when the cross come in and it actually dropped behind him, it actually yeah. dropped behind him and he stuck out his heel and directed the ball from behind him with the back of the heel of his right boot over his shoulder, over the keeper, into the far corner of the net. Now, that wasn't a fluke. That was quality finishing. He knew exactly what he was doing. The ball was behind him. He was midair, 
flipped it with the outside, the heel of his boot over his shoulder, over the keeper in the far corner. I thought that summed up everything that's great about this player who has just got good feet, uh, great touch, pace, etc., etc. And amongst the world, uh, wonderful goals, I mean, from the first day when Shaw hit a screamer, into the top of the net on the opening day of the season at St James's, and then Wilson with the outside of his boot going the other way, flicked it in the far corner. From from those two goals and the right at the start of the season to to Maxi at Wolves the game after the three three with Man City, and he scored that screamer to get us a point where the ball just dropped and he never he could never uh, took a touch. He just struck it and it went in the far corner. There was a million, there were some great Almeiren ones, but I'm sticking with Isaac scoring at Forest. Okay, great stuff. Uh, what about you then, Mal? Um, well, goal, best best goal of the season. Right, for me, um, and John actually just um, slightly mentioned it, um, and, 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 and I've looked back and we have had some great goals scored this season. But the but it was that Shah strike um, right at the very beginning. Yeah, it was just so clean. It was a real perfect strike, and uh, and so if I'm going to give a goal of the season, I want to give it to perfection, and that was absolute perfection. And and I've thought about a number of other goals. Almiron, um, he had that little run. And, it, and I know they were all pretty much identical, John, but they were absolute crackers. Oh, they um, were. They were. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there was the one where Isaac created the, the goal um, and, and he came dribbling along the dead ball line. I think it was at Everton, wasn't it? Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it was. Yes. And, yes, and that, just that dribble alone, it was absolutely wonderful to watch. How did he do it? And I, I still struggle to, uh, to describe it. Um, um, but, yeah. but, uh, but just for absolute clean strike, I'm going to give it to Shah. The interesting thing, Steve, and you did, just because Malcolm touched on it there, and it's not a category that we're... we're Picking the best of, but by Joe, what if we'd had the best assist? That up mm. the line by Isaac at Everton, where there was no room. He couldn't go left because he was coming <laughs> up the dead ball line. He couldn't go left because yeah. the ball was out of play. He could only go right. He had three defenders on him, <laughs> and he just, honest to God, I thought I was watching Elvis Presley. It's the best shit <laughs> of the hips I've ever seen. I mean, he was going left, right, left, right, left, right. And then he just rolled it in for Murphy to stick it in the net. I yeah. mean, that assist, his feet were absolute. There was one, def I watched it again, you know, guys. There was one defender. He beat him straight away. He got him mm. on the dead ball line. He beat him. And the defender was stupid enough to come back at him. The defender should have said, I have looked a fool once, I ain't going to look a fool twice. <laughs> he come back at him, so he just done it again. I mean, it was ridiculous. Now, if you look at that assist, was it, it was so different, but was it better than the out, the, the one with the outside of his boot by Joe Willock against Spurs when he swept the ball into <clears> Isaac's <throat> path? It was a bit like Terry Hibbert, Malcolm. 
It was. The way he, he swept it. Now, yep. those, I think those two And he knew things, exactly what he was doing, John. Oh, absolutely. And it was all so perfect. Yeah. Those two assists, which were totally different, but high, high, high on scale. Mm. I yeah. don't think were the best two assists in Newcastle United season. I think they were the best two assists in the Premier League last season. Mm -hmm. That's how good they were. And I'm not yeah. going to pick between them because I can't. I think they were both so different and so wonderful. And I haven't got a category, so Steve ain't forcing me to. So I'm <laughs> saying, what about those two assists? Weren't they fabulous? Yes, yeah, I really were. Absolutely brilliant. And 68 goals, you know, as you say, it was it was it was quite timely of the club to release a video, John, with them all on on the YouTube. I was very grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next category um is save of the season. And a little bit harder this one in the sense that the club, John, don't release a video uh with okay. the best save of the season, which is yeah, you know, maybe they will, um, maybe they won't, who knows? But um yeah, goalkeepers often maligned because you know they, they only tend to get remembered for the howlers that they let in. Um, but yeah, save of the season, John, is the one that sticks out. There's, there's. I'm going to do the easy bit first. The man that's going to win save of the season is Nick Pope. That's, <laughs> e that's the easy bit. <laughs> because Dubrovka made a couple of saves at Chelsea, but I think it was Nick Pope who was... Dubrovka had a great reputation at Newcastle and has been a good servant in Newcastle in what I call the dark days, the days of uh, prior to the takeover, prior to Eddie Howe. Uh, in the dark days, Dubrovka was a top-class goalkeeper, mainly because he had to be. He got so much practice that he was bound to look good in the end. He was bound to make a string of good saves. But Pope has been a step up. From mm. a significant step up from the broker, and I think this season has proved that. I've I've gone through. He's kept so many clean sheets as as Nick Pope, and I think one of his great assets, you know, is that his concentration levels are so high. He has gone through a match where Newcastle have prepared the opposition and absolutely, mm. you know, mm. hammered them to death. And then he's had to pull out one great save when his concentration might not have been there, but it was there. And I'll give you two examples of that. The last home game, when we played Leicester, we yeah. had about 28 shots and then he had to make one at the end in an out no draw. We could have lost when we needed the one point for the Champions League. And his concentration level was so high early in the season, he did it against Crystal Palace. And another note, note, um, when we were hammering them, suddenly they come away and a lad called Jean-Philippe Mateta uh, swerved in the penalty area and hit one for the top corner and he flashed the hand out and made a terrific save. Ironically, for me, as why it's ironic, I'll tell you, the best save of the season was in a match when, unbelievably, Nick Pope let in three goals. The 3-3 three -three draw with Manchester City. Mm. He, there was... a Haaland, when, Haaland, who scores for fun and is a, a beast of a finisher uh, physically and in his ability to finish, Haaland went through our offence like a knife through butter in the penalty area and in mid-stride unleashed a shot that was flying in the bottom corner. Nick Pope went full length, got a hand to it, onto the post, 
and out for a corner. It was if he'd been an inch wrong in in his lift off. If he'd been an inch out, he wouldn't have reached it. And if he'd reacted an inch a, a split second too late, he wouldn't have reached it. It it was so amazing. It was only in the replay that I actually knew he tipped it on the post. Now you thought Holland had just struck the post because it was such a, a great mm -hmm. shot, and he went boom down. And then when you saw it again, you thought, wait a minute, that's in the corner. And he shoved it under the post. I, th I think it was a stupendous save. And for me, it was the best of a lot of high-quality saves in that season. A lot. Yeah. And, and by heavens, yes, it, it was a huge amount of quality from the guy. And, of course, we finished, um, uh, uh, finished with the least goals scored against. Absolutely right, Malcolm. You know, Absolutely and, right. And he was so responsible for that the the back four um have been absolutely magnificent and well supported by the midfield but uh, some of the saves that pope made were absolutely fantastic but for me that the one that really meant something and was so important for the club was the one against leicester later yeah. on when he made that save it earned us a, a point um the game should have been one put to bed but we just couldn't score that that day, and you, you and, and you've got to be understanding of, of, about that because you can't get it right all of the time, um, and uh, and so it, it's it's when things aren't going so well in the game, and you you just need that something really special, and that was it. That moment from Pope. It, uh, it kept Newcastle in the game against Leicester. It got that all-important point for the Champions League. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that save against Leicester. It just meant, I think, so much to the club. We've got to, re we've got to remember as well, you know, when we're sitting, talking and reviewing this season, what a killer blow it was for us and for him when Pope got sent off and missed the League Cup final. Oh. I mean, that was a, a heck, that blow to us. I'm not having to go at Carriers, and I'm not blaming Carriers for the, the two goals that Manchester United scored. But had Pope played, would that have given so much more confidence to the back four without yes. question? Yes, it would. And, 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 and I and, yeah. yes. John, I, I think that probably Pope would have done much better with the two goals that went in. Oh, you, I think he would. I, you, it, can't it, finger, you can't finger the kid because it would be sure. awfully unfair after what happened to him in the Champions yeah. League final. And, but um, but um, this fella pulled off miraculous things and, yes. um, and, and we didn't have that. And, and the blow was incredible, guys. If we look back on that League Cup final, A, we lost Pope who was stupendous in the best defence. I mean, not as Malcolm said, we let in the least goals, 33. We also had the least defeats, only yes. five. We shared both those with Manchester City, who won the title. That's how important Pope and the back four were. And if <laughs> Pope getting sent off against Liverpool, we went to the final. We hadn't our second-choice goalkeeper, Dubravka, because he'd already played for Manchester United in the League right. Cup. 
We had okay. our third choice goalkeeper, Darlow, because he was on loan at Hull City. We had our fourth choice goalkeeper in, Carius, and my fifth choice goalkeeper, Gillespie, on the bench. On the bench. I mean, yeah. what sort of blow was that for a League Cup final? Yeah. So that tells us what Pope meant to Newcastle. But it's going to be one of those great football quiz questions, isn't oh, it? Always, mate. Always. Yeah. Who, who was the goalkeeper that made his debut for Newcastle in a Wembley Cup final and never played again? Yeah. That, that's a question. And the answer is, can't remember his name, but it's that fellow with a on the back of his head to play for Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be one of them, isn't it? <laughs> yes, isn't it just? Yeah, carry us, I tell you what, what they're not going to answer, Malcolm, when you say, tell us who played in goal for Newcastle in a cup final and who was the cover goalkeeper on the bench. And the answer is Carrius and Gillespie. How many people in 10 years' time, not now, oh. in 10 mm. years' time will get that right? That, yeah. Very, very few. Yes, absolutely. very few. Dear me, yeah. Okay, that's your goal of the season, and that's your save of the season. Uh, match of the season, John. Here we go again, and we can go for loads of them. I mean, mm. I could actually go for Man City 3 3, even though it because it had everything bar three points for us. Um, you can look at Brighton 4 1 because they were held up as the the perfect side that's made the biggest strides forward. No, they're not the club that've made the biggest strides forward. We are the club that made the biggest strides forward uh, because we went from bottom of the league when when Howe arrived halfway through last season to fourth top and in the Champions League. But for me, the match of the season, because I'm biased and I wanted to be Newcastle United in the ascendancy, was Spurs 6-1. I sat next to Malcolm at that game in the press box and we were three up in nine minutes. And I was pinching myself and I said to Malcolm, can you just nip me to make certain I'm awake? Because I think I'm sleeping. <laughs> I think I'm sleeping here and I'm dreaming all this. We we're three up in nine minutes, five up in 21 minutes. And remember, it's no good say, people saying, and oh, look how rubbish Spurs are this season, etc. At that time, Spurs were fifth and we were fourth. And this was billed as the shootout to decide who would get the last Champions League place. Yeah, if Spurs won, they, we were in trouble. If we won, we got a little bit of breathing space. That's how it was billed. Within nine minutes, I said to Malcolm, have a look up there, mate. And I pointed <laughs> up in the ceiling where the Spurs fans were sitting. They were going out. And they, they were leaving. Gone. They were leaving. <laughs> I mean, it was it had come from London and they were going to the boozer in the town to watch the rest of the game and get a drink. And by, yeah. by 20 minutes had gone, we were 5-0 up. And I, Murphy did this sensational shot from about 30 yards that flew in the net. Remember the famous oh, face? He went yeah. up close and his eyes got bigger. What a strike. I mean, it Beautiful. was... In, okay, it was five and 20 minutes were awful in the second half. We only scored once. Uh, but it was, <laughs> it was six one at the end. For me, that that was that first 45 minutes was dreamland. Um, and so I'm picking that one. Okay. Malcolm. Well, John actually has mentioned uh, the game that I'm going to select. And that was the Man City three all draw. St. James. 
Newcastle United went 3-1 up and to do so against the best side, certainly in this country and perhaps in Europe um, uh, and more than likely in Europe, uh, Newcastle United totally, utterly outplayed Manchester City for, uh, um, for a good 30 to 40 minutes. And they went 3-1 up. My word, I don't think Man City had been 3-1 down in a very, very long time. Um, but I just found the whole game quite fascinating because as on top and, 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 and so brilliant when Newcastle been, but then a bit later in the game, I saw 20 minutes of the most unbelievable football, attacking football from Manchester City. We saw the very best of both sides over those 90 minutes. <coughs> and those last 20 minutes from Manchester City, where they got back to three each, they were simply unplayable. And, uh, 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 and I... I, I had this game, it was, it, it was just running through my mind for weeks and weeks afterwards. Um, it was that good. And so there is no other game that I can even consider for this particular title. And it, it was that I saw the very best of two very, very good sides. And I was honoured to be there. Okay, great stuff. Um, whizzing through these, uh, our next category is Young Player of the Season, John. Yep, well, okay. Uh, I had to give this some thought. And if the cut-off point, and I think in most awards that are given nationally, the cut-off point on, you know, what is the definition of a young player? Is it a player of inexperience? Is it a player of a certain age? What is a young player? And I think when I look nationally at that, it, it seems to be that the cutoff points 23 years of age. If you're above that, uh, you can't be young player of the year, even if, like Carrius, you're making your debut and, and you're 31 or whatever he is. But to be the young player of the year, you've got to be anything up to 33. <clears throat> if that is so, and that's the yardstick I have used, there's three outstanding players come into that category, all of them because they are 23, and that's Isaac Botman and Willock. And all three have, would have a case to be the, the best young player because Botman's had an outstanding season, just haven't come in. Willock has been talked about as uh, uh, possible for England and might have got in this latest squad, but for his injury that spoiled his season from him. But I'm going to go for Isaac because the, 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 what he has produced in terms of showing is he was a £60 million signing, the club record signing. And then it was suggested for ages he couldn't even get in the side, first because of injury and second because he allegedly could only play centre forward and Wilson was our centre forward. And Eddie Howe built up that by saying very reluctantly they could play together, but not really. They're really both for the same position. I'd be reluctant to play them together. And by the way, together, I don't mean in the way Malcolm used to play with Tudor and Shearer used to play with Ferdinand. They don't have to be partners. 
he can play wide as he proved in Isaac and he did yeah. with with Wilson through the middle and another wide player on the other side. But Isaac's feet, his quickness of foot, his quickness of mind, and his quickness running wise, I thought he brought dimensions to Newcastle that nobody else did, that we didn't have. And I'm a great lover of the art of football, the ability of football, the creativeness of football instead of destroyers. I know we need destroyers, but I'm 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 fantasy island guy with football. I love to be entertained. I love to see people do things other people can't do. And I think Isaac has a big dollop of that in his makeup. I mean, for such a tall guy, he's got such quick and intricate feet. I think um I think he's terrific. So I'm gonna make him my young player. Mm. Okay, John, what, um, that's great. What about you, Mal? Well, I, I, I'm i going to give this to Sean Longstaff because... Um, He's 28, Malcolm. Is he as old as that? Oh, you surprised me, I was going to bring him into it, and then suddenly I saw his age. Right. Well, you surprised me. I, I thought... Do you know, I only thought he was 23. Mm. Mm. I was I was surprised at that age, and I'm certain I'm right, but he was certainly uh, be up well beyond 23. <clears throat> above. Uh, uh, it's it seems to be a thing in this game that that um, that there aren't that many kids who who get through and make first team quality um, early on. So yeah. many are, are, are held back, <clears throat> and. Um, and, and get into the side at sort of 25, 26. I, that, and that's what's happened here. And funny enough, the three that I mentioned, Mal, <coughs> Isaac, Bachman and Willick, two others I would give honourable mentions to, just in case it helps you with your thinking on mm -hmm. this, two others outside of those three would be Elliot Anderson, who I think showed that he's going to, and he's only 20 years old, showed he's going to be... Yeah. Uh, Quality, quality player. And the other one, just in passing, he couldn't win the award because he only had about 10 minutes on the field. But Lewis Miley, who was only 17, and went on at Chelsea yes. and struck the bar in that very yeah. short. He is That's going right. to be... He can't, it, he can't it would have been lovely for that to have gone in, John. <laughs> oh, can't. it would have been so lovely. And, and, I, and I wish, I sincerely wish that they had done their job properly and they hadn't disallowed um, Elliot Anderson's goal. Uh, I, I thought that was a shocking decision. Absolutely shocking. And it still leaves me scratching my head as to have how a they think, came Have it. a think about who it is. And if you would, Steve, run the adverts up because there's a parcel being delivered at the door and I'm the only one. Here we go. Here's the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors, Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 2545 email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website skipsandbins.com, easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. A big thanks to Mr Vicky's Sources, which are handmade in Cumbria. You can find them at their website, mrvickys.co.uk. If you want to place an order, call 01768 210102 or email info at uk. A big thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. 
and at qtechshop.co.uk. The makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you like the channel, please hit the like underneath the video. It helps us grow. And click share and share it to your other social media. If you want to help us financially, please click join. And there's a range of different packages and it explains how you can do that. If you want to become a cult member and receive these goodies, a scarf, a pen and a cup and a membership card and entry into the monthly draw. For a one-off fee of £25, simply go to nufcmatters.com and find cult membership. If you've got a smartphone, put it over this QR code now. It'll take you straight there. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And we also support the food bank on this channel. The Matchday Bucket helps you donate virtually. Go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk to find out more. We've got some events coming up over the course of the next 12 months. And even with John Anderson takes place at the Time Mouse Surf Cafe, only limited tickets available. 13th of June, go to their website to buy tickets. Bend it like Bobby. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. And just after the hour, the man did cometh at the double, as it was time to bend it like Bobby. It's a comedy play. It's a rehearsed reading by Jim Orr. It features myself and a few other cast members. Friday the 16th of June. Tickets on sale at newcastlelegends.com and they're only £5. And evening with Frank Clark, well, this is our Christmas due, uh, Thursday, December the 7th. Tickets are £15 from nufcmatters.com at the Tyneside Irish Centre. And a big one for the new year, January the 25th, Keegan Waddle and Beardsley and special guests back together, the class of 1984 at the Tyne Theatre and Opera House on Westgate Road. Uh, tickets available direct from the venue. If you like T-shirts and you want a few for the summer, Get yourself to nufcmatters.com. The Isaac t-shirt is proven very popular. Longstaff is 25, says Andy H. Uh, Jordy Toomba Life says he's 25 as well. Um, that would be right. Well, both wrong. I mean, he wasn't 23 and he's not 28. But uh, I, I don't know that 25 qualifies for a young player. I wouldn't have had him down as a, a young player. Mal, have you come to a conclusion who you would give it to on the well, limited yes, availability? Okay. Right. Um, yes, I'm going to make a choice, but, I, but I'm going to give some praise uh, to Sean Longstaff along with it. And that, and, and I'm, I'm going to go for Willock because I, at the start of the season, I honestly feared that, uh, that, that Willock was going to prove himself not up not up to the standard that we that was necessary, um, but he has done, and he, and and he's he's certainly done it in style. But uh, um, but at the same time, that he's he he created a, a a very very good partnership with Sean Longstaff. The two of them, they really work well um, together, um, and uh, and Sean Longstaff. That he 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 he's done more running in the Premiership than just about anybody else. Um, for, he's phenomenal on that, and he's always making himself available. But the beauty of of what Sean allows other players to do is is fantastic. And Willock made the most of it, and the way that he was getting forward um, so often. 
So I, I, um, I could, if if John hadn't gone for Isaac, I probably would have gone for him. But as John did go for him, I'm going to go then for Willock, simply because he did a far, far greater job than I thought he was actually capable of. And it was a very positive one throughout the season. Certainly the manager has stuck, has stuck with him uh, and, and has had real faith in him. So that would have done him the world of good. Um, and he's taken on a, um, a, a terrific responsibility there in midfield <clears throat> um, and, and has worked well with others. Um, but, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with Willock because he, he probably has been the surprise player for me this season. He's done a lot, lot better than ever I expected. OK, uh, we got there in the end with that one. Player of the season should be a bit easier, John. Oh, now there's a corker. <clears throat> player of the season. It would be easier to say who's <laughs> not player of the season because I honestly believe that you can go 1-11 to and they'll qualify to be considered, to be considered. Mm. The only two in the squad this last season that I wouldn't consider for player of the year are Chris Wood and John Joe Shelby. And I wouldn't consider them as players of the year for Nottingham Forest. Never mind for us to get rid of. Everybody else deserves a shout. You could make a case, for example, for Nick Pope. You could make a case for Isaac on the second half of the season. You could make a case for Dan Byrne on playing left-back so well when he's a centre-half. You could make a case for Bruno in the first half of the season before he got the bad injury that he carried. But for me, there was two outstanding players and there's only a paper's width between them for me. One is Kieran Trippier and the other is Joe Linton. Kieran Trippier, because he's our standout player, he is our leader. He was the guy that came here first and opened the door for everybody else to come. He's a dead ball specialist. He's a great leader of men. Is everything right? But I'm actually going to go, and I'll explain why, for Joe Linton. And the reason why I'm going for Joe Linton is I cannot believe the change has been in a man. Malcolm was talking about how Joe Willock has gone from somebody Malcolm feared wasn't going to make it here to being on the verge of the England team. This guy is the weakest centre-forward I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he was terrified of his own shadow in the penalty area. He was terrified of his own shadow. He was built like the Incredible Hulk and, and he fought like Tiny Tim. He, he was absolutely not a Newcastle United number nine. What is he now? He is an awesome midfielder. He's an enforcer. He's the dirtiest bloke in the Premier League. And I'm saying that both officially and as a compliment. It's official because they go yeah. on stats, which are the most booked player, i.e. yellow cards, and the most tackles. And he's top of that. Fouls, John. Most fouls. fouls. Sorry, not tackles. Absolutely correct. Fouls. So he's the officially the dirtiest player. And I think that's wonderful. 
because we need somebody that's going to rattle cages and he will rattle cages. And I tell you what, his transformation is summed up by the fact that when he was sent forward at Newcastle, he was Tiny Tim, and now he's playing in midfield, he's good enough to be in the Brazilian national squad. And the yes. Brazilians are still the best natural footballers on planet football. And, and mm. so that is the transformation. And he's carried it. He's got a heart the size of a frying pan. Even in the bad days when he was the poor centre forward, he never complained. He never moped. He never said poor me in public. He didn't get a pet lip on. He took it all on himself and was desperate to become successful. And he's half deserved his place in the sun. So I'm going only just, only just for Joe Linton from Kieran Trippier. Okay, yeah, it is. It mm-hmm. is tougher than you think. This question: um, Who was your player of the season, Mal? Right, um, I think Joe Linton, as you rightly say, John, um, has been absolutely outstanding this season. But there, but there is one man who not only has. Um, given such high-quality football um, out on the pitch, but he's also led the team brilliantly. And he is talking all of the time. And he leads right from the front. And he's and he's on at players all of the while. And he gives great advice, great instruction. And that's Kieran Trippier. Um, I think he's been... Um, one of the best right-backs in the country, along with possibly the best captain in the Premiership. Um, uh, and uh, and he's, he, he's, he's, a, a, um, uh, he's a great advisor on the field. He never stops talking. He's, and, and he'll go and he'll put his arm, you know, whenever the ball goes out of play or, so, or, or, or there's a little bit of a hold-up, he'll go and he'll have his arm around one of the players and he'll just just be helping them along, maybe just correcting something in their game or positioning or whatever. But, but he's one of those players who sees everything that's going on on the field, remembers it and looks to put it right. And for, for sure... He is going to be one hell of a coach when he retires from playing. How long he will continue to play, I don't know. But I would dearly love to see him on the coaching staff when he does retire here at Newcastle. Um, because I think he's going to have a huge amount to offer. Um, uh, and and he's, he's got this fabulous experience and he's able to, to get it across to players in, in such a lovely way that it... Um, you you can sense that 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 he drives them on, but they respect him and love him for the way that he does drive them on. And so, yeah, for me, Kieran Trippier. Okay, Kieran Trippier gets Malcolm's vote. Uh, final uh, category uh, for uh, this season is moment of the season, and moment of the season can be anything. It could be something on the pitch. It could be something off the pitch. It could be a personal uh, memory. It could be what you know, whatever. But what was your moment of the season, Gibble? Great question. Um, this is not the answer, but I would like there have been, if there had been a man of the season, 
I would have given it to Eddie Howe, and I was wanting to give Eddie Howe an award desperately, but he couldn't fit into any of those calibers. And I haven't made him my moment, but I want to make a special creation of Man of the Year, and my Man of the Year would be Eddie Howe, because he has epitomised everything that's good about Newcastle United. He has been the miracle worker that has turned Almiran and Shaw and Sean Longstaff and Jacob Murphy and everybody into wonderful players. Joe Linton, perfect example, who were just average players. We bought well and he's integrated damn well. He is Mr. Unflappable while Pep and Arteta and Klopp go absolutely crackers on the touchline, explode like jumpy jacks all over the place. You've got to mop them up into a sack at the end of the game and take them away to be reassembled before the next game. <laughs> um, and, and he is just straight bat and pad, straight bat and pad, straight bat and pad. So he's my man, man of the year. My moment of the season, and I found difficulty with this because it, it's a fascinating one, Steve, because as you said in introducing it, it's open to anything. It's open to absolutely anything. And I suddenly decided two things. I wanted to pay a compliment to Eddie Howe, which I've just done as man of the year. And I want to not overlook this, which is my mo moment of the season. And it's for War Flags, who have turned St. James's Park into the most atmospheric football stadium, not only in England, but I would dare bet in the world. The fans have got an awful lot to do with it as well, of course, naturally. But the idea of the flags, the, I go up into St. James's Park press box 10 minutes before kickoff because I want to see the display of flags and the, the, the atmosphere and the, and the chanting. And the, I used to go up 10 minutes after the kickoff <laughs> under, under Ashley and Steve Bruce because I knew it would be three down. Now I want to get up there early and get the atmosphere. How long is it since I've wanted to do that? Um, we have been the, the, the greatest supporters of failure. I've said this many times, Geordie's, there's ever been. We're now the supporters of success. And when you see the joy on the faces of the fans and you see the inventive way that the flags are used with certain um, themes running per match and certain slogans on big flags that are draped across one of the ends, um, I feel that I want to mention what my ground my cathedral on the hill, the same as Bobby Robson's cathedral on the hill, what it's become, because that has been part of the joy of this season. So I'm saying moment of the season, war flags, atmosphere, pre-match and during match, it's in James's Park. OK. Your moment mm. of the season, please, Mal. Well, um, I think for me it was... It was that actual second where the realisation that we were qualified to go into the Champions League struck home. And it, it, it's going to bring us so much wonderful football, great excitement, 
Um, we are going to have moments that we will remember forever this coming season. And it was all because of what we did this season. And so it was that moment we are in the Champions League. Oh, dear me. I could have absolutely just leapt for joy. Um, uh, it, 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 was, it was something that I, I will treasure because I know that this coming season, um, starting in August, we are going to be left with so many fabulous memories. Um, and, uh, and, and John, as you say, I, I think that what War Flags have done is uh, ah, absolutely fantastic. It really is. And, and they're not creating the support. What they're doing is enabling the support to give um, it, of its very, very best. And, it, and, and, yeah, I think it's incomparable by the rest of the world for, yeah, for what's going it, on at the James it Park. I really do. And, and um, I'm... You know, uh, what I'm thinking, Malcolm, is, you know, when, when the great royalty of Europe, be that Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern Munich or Inter Milan... If one of those sides comes into our group and come to St. James's Park and they will subconsciously think, oh, this is a team that hasn't qualified for 20 years. It's this, it's not this, it's not that, it's not the other. They will be blown away by the atmosphere at St. James's yeah. Park. Yeah. They will come here and say, what's all that about? That is absolutely yeah. fabulous. And, and it's going to dawn on the rest of Europe this coming season, what sure. we've got at St. James's. There, there, there has been a moment um, from about 20 years ago um, that, that has kept running through my head this season of the excitement to come. And, and it was when we played Juventus, if you remember, in the Champions League about 20-odd years ago. Yes, yeah, we did. Yes, we did. And, and, and did we not beat them 3-2? We beat them one nil, Malcolm. We'll oh, Andy, one nil. Andy, we'll Andy Griffin nil. scored three, three, three oh, two. Was, three two was we, yes, three two was when we beat Barcelona, Malcolm. With Barcelona, okay, but but nevertheless, I I I remembered just just that un unbelievable feeling of excitement that uh, that the Champions League um, created within me, and I think in most of us um, and it, it's something that goes just a bit beyond the domestic competitions and uh, um, and and for us to be able to have that opportunity this coming 12 months to uh, to witness that kind of of oh of, of wonderful historic moments and uh, you know, and I, I remember the Champions League more than I remember anything else yeah, from 20 yeah, years ago. Right. And that's what we're going to have. We are going to have um, a nine-month season of fantastic memories created for our futures. I mean, what it's funny what you're saying there, just when you're asking about those European games. And I was thinking, you know, braggards as Geordies. I mean, I, 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 you know, people are saying... We should be afraid uh, talking about the, the the great sides of you, etc., etc. Hey, we have had the least defeats five 
in the mm. Premier League this year. The least goals scored against us, 33. In a league, if the depth of the Premier League, with Manchester City and we've equaled their records and they're just about to play in the Champions League final. So why yeah. should we be afraid of anything? Now, I am also... Because I'm so old, I remember Newcastle and I was sitting watching Newcastle beat the big names because we beat Barcelona 3-2 in the Champions League. We mm -hmm. beat Juventus 1-0 in the Champions League. And in 1970, in the old European First Cup, after we'd won it in 69, we beat Inter Milan at St. James's Park. Yeah. So Newcastle in Europe have beaten Inter Milan, okay. Barcelona and Juventus. So right. Well, as, as you know, John, I've got a daughter over in Italy. Yes. Uh, yeah, Inter Georgia. Milan. Uh, Inter yes. Milan, yes. And she supports Inter Milan. Oh, ho, 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 ho. family. So she whoa, is supporting whoa. Inter Milan this weekend. And uh, and I've been saying to her, don't think you've got a chance. Man City are the better <laughs> star. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're at war at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't mind us drawn into Milan just so I could. I know, I know that young lady, and I would, uh, I would enjoy watching the two McDonalds having a dip at each other. Oh but, yes. Um, outside of that, I would like to draw Real Madrid because I've seen we beat Inter Milan. I'd beat them again, mind. And because I've seen we beat Juventus, and because I've seen we beat Barcelona, I want to see we beat Real Madrid. So I'm wanting to draw Real Madrid. Or Bayern Munich, but Real Madrid, it sounds what it sounds, doesn't it? It yes. reeks of Di Stefano and oh, it reeks of all the and gentle, gentle. I mean, it reeks of and all the way through, and yes, mm. in in uh, in uh, Gareth Bale in the oh in um uh David Beckham and one bloke it doesn't reek of is Michael Owen, although he actually did play there, but uh, I'll I don't think he's in the top 10 Real Madrid players of all time. No. Or he's certainly no. not in mine. He's not no, in, in the top 10 not. Newcastle United players of all time. <laughs> but there we are. But I would love to play Real Madrid. But memories, memories. And Malcolm's right. The great thing is, if we think this season's been great, wait till next. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's a wrap on the um, on the on the awards from Malcolm and John today. Uh, got a couple time for a couple of questions. Tom Dixon says, "Any Castle want Loris Carius to remain at the club next season? Uh, what do you reckon uh, about that, uh, John? I mean, it's um, it would mean, I guess, that Debravka must be on his way out." No, if... I don't. I don't think that. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't mean that, uh, uh, Steve. But if you look at it this way, and I've been thinking a lot, the goalkeeping situation is so fluid, it's untrue. Uh, outside of Nick Pope being number one, undisputed. Mm -hmm. After that, you need three keepers, don't you? You need a third keeper because of injuries or a suspension like Nick Pope got. You need three goalkeepers. Now then, nobody is, is absolutely nailed on apart from Nick Pope. So, supposing Nick Pope's number one, supposing Dubrovka stays as number two, who's going to be number three? It's not going to be Darlow, because he does want to go, I believe, because he wants first-team football, because he's never really had it. He was number two at Newcastle to Dubrovka. So, if, if Darlow goes, Gillespie's contract is not going to be renewed, so he goes. So, there's two goalkeepers out. If we had Pope and Dubravka, we've got to have a third goalkeeper, mm. and that could be Carriers. 
because the third goalkeeper has got to be a Gillespie dash carriers type of keeper who's willing to sit there as third keeper. Sure, sure, yes. Because there are two involved with the with the first team at all times. It used to be that there was only one. Absolutely, but but yeah, right, Malcolm. So I would like the broker to stay as the number two because if the broker goes. And, and he could. He could want football late in his mm. career at this stage. You can also make out the case for Darlow wanting first team keeping. And I don't want me one, two and three to be poor carriers in Gillespie. With utmost respect to the last two, I don't want that. Uh, I don't think that's good enough for Europe. Your number two goalkeeper to be either carriers or Gillespie. Um, so, you know... It's very, very fluid. But if Carrier stays, I don't think that means automatically De Broca's gone. De Broca no, can I be number two and Carriers can be number three. Yeah. That would be a, the, the best situation out of the current mm-hmm. scenario. And if you don't have that, Steve, if you don't have that, you've got to buy a, a, a number two keeper because yeah. there's nobody good enough to be number two. Yeah, You've got to buy. And we have got enough buying to do without having to add a goalkeeper to the list. We certainly do, John. We certainly do. We don't want that to be an added thing to do. So I would be happy to go one Pope, two Dubovka, three Carriers. Three Carriers, yes. Yes, we don't. And and we don't want to cause ourselves further problems and limitations as well. So, yeah, if we've got to spend spend money, Malcolm, to to sign a number two goalkeeper, because he's got to be of certain Mm. quality, then we're taking money out the pot that we want for midfielders and yeah. left backs and, and forward, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and I don't want to do that. You know, I, I, I'm going to reiterate things that I something I've, I've said on the program two or three times before. But this is this is absolutely vital. Going into the into a season with the Champions League, it increases the number of games um, so much that you pretty much need to be able to field two separate sides. And we're nowhere near that. Mm. And so we don't want players to leave. We want to be bringing them in to, 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 um, to apart, really push the numbers up. Apart from Ryan Fraser. Is he a player? No, but we wouldn't mind him leaving. Yeah, oh, no, no, he's welcome to leave. In fact, I'll... Uh, I'll take him to the station if you want. <laughs> Might have time for one more. Barry Hogan says, Malcolm, I am fed up with some of the press linking this with Harry Maguire. He says, surely even Eddie Howe couldn't turn him into a decent player. What do you lads think? Uh, Eddie's not a magician. Um, <laughs> and he wouldn't be interested at all. He's too good a judge. He mm-hmm. wouldn't touch Harry Maguire um, for love nor money, I don't think. And... Uh, uh, I, I, I certainly, Malcolm, I agree with you. I certainly wouldn't want Harry Maguire to come as yeah. the centre-half addition because we're looking for a right-sided centre-half. Sure. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want Maguire to come. He, the only thing I dispute what that gentleman said along the bottom, and it was all absolutely I agree with it, 100% about Maguire, the question. The only thing I dispute is the last bit, which says that, Eddie Howe isn't a magician. I think he is a magician. Uh, when I look at what he did with... Well, no. Is it, Sorry, lads, my phone ran. I thought, it, I thought it was Eddie phoning in to say, you're right, Gibbo, I am a magician. 
Um, and I think what he's done with some of the players, he is a magician. But I think it would be a step too far asking him to do that with Harry Maguire. Bear in mind, if we're being serious for one second and treating the question serious, you don't want Harry Maguire because at this stage of his life, he will only go to a club that absolutely says to him, you're guaranteed first-team regular mm -hmm. football because that's the one thing he hasn't got at Manchester United and he needs to keep in the England side. And I don't want us to be saying that to him. And also the wages that he's about to drop on his wage at Manchester United, he would still smash the wage structure at St yeah. James's Park, which sure. would not be beneficial to the, the dressing room morale. So I wouldn't want them, no. Under plus, plus John... It, 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 it doesn't compare with what we've got at the moment. No, that doesn't. Four, it, it has been absolutely fantastic this season. And, and they're playing in a, in a way that wouldn't suit Maguire because he wants to keep dropping off. Well, yeah. we had that under Steve Bruce and, and, and it was absolutely horrendous what was and going I, on. From, I mean, if we are going to change the back four or add to it, numerically in the squad, which we are with a centre-half and probably a left-back. I think if there's anything at all that the current back four lack and their record's as good as Manchester City's and better than literally everybody else's, but if there's anything we lack a little bit, it's pace. And mm -hmm. Maguire hasn't got yep. that. And I would no. like my new centre-half, no. my new centre-half, Malcolm, and I think you might agree, I would like to ask you, I would like my new centre-half to have some pace. Oh, absolutely, John. And um, and I always look at um, players. Um, would I like to play against them? And I'd love to play against Harry Maguire. Oh, you, you would have been queuing up. You would have been queuing up. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have played against them. <laughs> Fantastic, lads. That hour has uh, gone round very quickly, as always. Uh, we will be continuing the show throughout the summer. Uh, interesting to hear some of the uh, the speculation and discuss some of the speculation about players being linked with Newcastle and players going out. So uh, we will be continuing that throughout the summer on a Thursday. But for now, Malcolm, John, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the sun. And uh, I will see you next week. Take care, guys. All right. Take, Take care, care, everybody, indeed. What a See joy it's week. been, mate. What a joy it's been. And that's just the programme, not Newcastle United. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, lads. Bye-bye. Take Bye. care, mate.